episode of the Touch Points podcast by East Point Bible Church. I'm Matthew Carnegie, one of the pastors here, and for today's episode, I'd like to challenge us to think carefully about where our hope lies. Here's what I mean. It's all well and good to give the right answer about how we hope in Christ when we're sitting in church, thinking about faith with nothing directly challenging it, and I bet most Christians really believe they mean it, too. But when difficulties enter our lives, whether tests, persecutions, grief, or even failures, how do we respond? It's important to remember that while God allows challenges in our lives for a variety of reasons, one of them is because trials bring out what's really in our hearts. If we define hope the way it is used in the Bible, as not merely something we wish for, but rather as a confident expectation, something secure we can bank on as we live our lives, then it's easy to spot ways in which we trade hope in Christ for hope in things of this world. For example, I can say my security is found in Christ, but if I become angry and fearful because I lose my job instead of just trying to make sure I can provide for my family in whatever circumstance God would have for me instead, then maybe my security was really in my ability to take care of myself instead of God's. Maybe I say that I find my contentment in Christ, but if I become resentful and bitter because circumstances have changed my plans for my life instead of trying to see what new opportunity God is giving me, then maybe my contentment was really just about getting my way instead of truly finding satisfaction in Christ under any circumstances. I could say that I love Christ more than anything on earth, but if I am totally shattered by the loss of a loved one and unable to function in life, instead of grieving as one with hope, to borrow from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, then maybe my affection for that person trumps my love for Christ. There are many more examples that I could share, but hopefully by now the point is obvious. How we respond to trials in our lives shows us whether our hope truly rests in Christ. So what's the remedy? How do we combat our tendency to place too much trust in the things of this world? And what does it mean to actually place our hope in Christ? Well, as you hopefully have guessed by now, God's Word speaks to this and shows us how to have the proper perspective on life. 1 Peter is an epistle written to a large number of believers across multiple regions of the Roman Empire, suffering a great deal of persecution and other trials. And while Peter does offer lots of encouragement and practical instruction for how to bear up under those circumstances, he saturates the whole letter with heavy doses of perspective about Christ. Nowhere is this more prominent than in the first chapter, so I'd like to spend a few moments considering verses 3 through 13. Go ahead and turn there if you can, but I'll also read those verses out loud. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-13 through 13. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found a result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ." 
And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, prepare your minds for action, keep sober in spirit, Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, two things stand out most to me about this passage. The first is all the language he uses to move the point of view to the future. He bookends the section with hope, talking about how we're born again to a living hope in verse 3 and telling us where to fix our hope in verse 13. And in between, he keeps referring to things that haven't fully arrived yet, such as an inheritance that is reserved in heaven, a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, a faith that will result in praise and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, which occurs at the end of time, and viewing salvation as the outcome of our faith that we have yet to fully obtain. Even in verses 10 through 12, as he discusses the prophets who came before, he's using them as an example of people who put their hope in something that didn't happen during their earthly lifetimes. The second facet that stands out to me is why he uses all that forward-looking language. He's trying to prove that whatever is happening here and now is not what's most important for the one whose hope is in Christ. Think about it. When writing to a group of Christians suffering immensely, he doesn't spend any time trying to reassure them that God will remove their suffering. Instead, he tells them they can actually find joy in the meantime because what they have in Christ outweighs their suffering. Take a look again at what verse 6 says after discussing that salvation that is coming in the future. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. He acknowledges their sufferings as what might be happening for a little while. So why can they rejoice anyway? By pointing in verse 7 to how those same sufferings will prove their faith to be real, which will result in blessings in the end. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, as in suffering, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. For a little while, things might be rough. For a little while, there might not be much to, here to find joy in. But that's okay. Because one day, true salvation will be fulfilled, and our true joy comes from that day, not the one right now. That's what it means to hope in Christ. Peter's words here are very similar to Paul's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. He writes, For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, 
far beyond all comparison. That momentary light affliction Paul spoke of was in reference to the suffering he discussed earlier in this letter, calling it being delivered over for death for the sake of his gospel ministry. It's not that the suffering was really a walk in the park. Rather, he was so impressed by the weight of glory that awaits us that any amount of suffering here will seem insignificant by comparison. So back in our passage, where does Peter land in light of this weighty perspective? He says, therefore, in verse 13, meaning, based on all I just covered up there, prepare your minds for action, keep sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's important to note the Greek grammar of this verse because those first two commands are actually participles, not imperatives, meaning they're more descriptive of the person obeying the third command. But you're supposed to understand that the implication then is that you should do those things. In other words, the person who's ready to obey that third command is someone whose mind is prepared for action and who is staying sober or self-controlled, as that term is used in Greek. So we should do those things, too, in order to be fully obedient. The only true imperative in the sentence, and therefore the main point, is what appears in many English translations to be the third one. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's how we live this life with all its ups and downs, by placing all of our confidence and trust in the grace of Christ that we won't fully experience until the end of time. For a little while, we will experience hardships like lost jobs, but hoping in Christ's grace means we recognize that God has met our ultimate need, so one day we will have no more challenges. For a little while, we will have times where all our plans go up in smoke. But hoping in Christ's grace means we trust what God brings because we know where it's all going in the end. For a little while, we will endure the heartache of losing loved ones. But hoping in Christ's grace means resting in the fact that the one we love the most will never leave us and will one day bless us with more than we could ever have lost here on earth. Yes, there is grace, including results of our salvation, that we experience right here and now. But those are just foretastes of what is to come when all is finally fulfilled, and that is where our hope needs to rest. At the end of the day, we need to understand and rest in the fact that no matter what trials come our way, they are only here for a little while before true life really begins. And being faithful through those trials makes the end that much sweeter. The only way to accomplish that is by putting all of our hope completely on Christ and not anything else here on earth. The rest will disappoint us. Only hope in Christ is completely secure. I pray this has been edifying to you. May we live securely in our hope in Christ, even if he allows us to suffer for a little while.